Hello everyone. Welcome to This Week in Cardano. Your go-to source for all the relevant events that are happening in the Cardano ecosystem. Our aim is to help you overcome the information overload of crypto and keep you updated with the core developments, innovations and also bring you the cutting-edge projects that are building on Cardano. So let's get started. So we are celebrating the 1 year anniversary of DeFi in Cardano. So we we are lucky to launch our channel uh, during a time when groundwork for the for a thriving DeFi ecosystem in Cardano is already done and more more and more projects are launching and it all started with MuesliSwap. Uh, almost one year back MuesliSwap went live. It's a hybrid dex and uh, hybrid dex meaning um, it is combining uh, an order book a decentralized order book a model of exchange to liquidity pools and that's an innovation that is enabled by the eutx model of cardano and uh, this is how all how it started for example uh, the account based model which is used by ethereum uh, allows primarily automated market makers amm and it is basically an inefficient model but in cardano the eutx model allows much more flexibility and musli swap combines both these models it is it may not be the uh, the most efficient model but it still allows the order book model from a basic ledger perspective and there is one more um, one more innovation about musli swap maybe laura want to elaborate on that what i find remarkable is that uh, musli swap is um also working as a backbone a muesli swap aggregator is used by other dexes so for example a sunday swap is using the muesli swap aggregator as a backbone so if for some reason sunday swap might not work still transactions are happening on the backbone of uh, muesli swap so first muesli swap came then sunday swap min swap wing riders and other dexes were following um so that is really interesting also from a tvl perspective that uh, the cardano tvl reached uh, an all time high of 326 million usd in march 2022 so although some people state um or some people state on twitter that cardano is a ghost chain i think uh, those tvl numbers and transaction amounts show that this is probably not something nobody is using So like Swerge said um the groundwork is done first year of defi uh, shows a great success and from there things will be developed further down the road. Uh, so exactly uh, so once the activity started in the last march the TVL reached the all time high. It has also something to do with the bull markets and the you know the excess valuations that we had um, in the first quarter of this year and like the market collapse after that but it still shows the enthusiasm and activity when finally defi launched on cardano everyone was so excited uh, that uh, it eventually at uh, some uh, at some point it also resulted in congestion on the chain so congestion in a in a ghost chain it was really <laughs> interesting to watch in that sense next to uh, defi we also saw lending and borrowing protocols rising on cardano projects like lending pond fluid to- tokens and ada protocol are offering lending and borrowing services mirroring um features and functionalities people already know from cefi and having transferring them to defi um often based on nfts so here also we see the extension of the services and functionalities on cardano 
And finally, Cardano saw also a release of a, of a very much anticipated uh, protocol. Suraj, which one was it? Uh, finally, uh, Cardano saw the release of Indigo Protocol. So Indigo Protocol was much anticipated project, not only from a tech perspective, but from a decentralization perspective, but because this protocol uh, truly believes in the ethos of decentralization. They uh, never made a token sale. They um, distributed their token to the community from uh, uh, like as a first step uh, just before they launched. And uh, they integrated governance from the first and they brought this truly innovative product to Cardano, that is the synthetic assets. Synthetic assets basically helps people to get access to the markets or or products or assets they don't usually have access to. For example, in Cardano, they don't have like direct access to Bitcoin, so they can have access to Bitcoin in the form of IBTC. It also introduced a stablecoin, IUSD, so it is... Uh, one of the earliest stable coins on Cardano. And this protocol was so anticipated. You saw the TVL. It just launched three weeks back. And then we saw the TVL rising from nothing to the, like, the activity brought Indigo Protocol to the second position in the TVL ratings. TVL may not be the right metric to measure the DeFi activity, so, but... Uh, this this measurement could be manipulated in many ways, but as of now, we base our assessment of the activity or based on TVL active addresses. And in all these metrics, um, Indigo is showing amazing activity. And uh, currently, the TVL is around 8.8 .8 million. And um, this is only with two products, you know, two uh, two assets, IBTC and IUSD. A lot of new uh, products are going to uh, come soon and then we will see the real activity on indigo so maybe one uh, thought on the assets you were mentioning on indigo i was just thinking because this ibtc normally when you have heard about synthetics before you know about wrapped tokens like wrapped btc wrapped eth but this is a little bit different concept we see here those indigo assets i assets um, have a different um, usage so instead of wrapped versions of other assets, they use oracles to track the price of the underlying asset. So this is also maybe worth mentioning when we look behind the logic of those uh, synthetics assets they use at Indigo. Just that, you know, you should know before playing with these assets, you can lose money with that. But it's good to start playing with those assets right from the beginning with a small amount of money so that you, are, you, know, you, you get to know these products actually. Okay, let's jump into Cardano native solutions. So what does it mean uh, to have a Cardano native solution? So basically those projects uh, leverage unique features of Cardanos, like the EUTXO model or um, the native asset ledger that is also unique to Cardano. And one of those projects leveraging uh, those features is um, Gucci, which launched last week actually and um, what is Gucci doing or aiming? Gucci is um, bringing a solution to um, drive efficiency and effectiveness of the NFT market. So um, we see uh, lots of NFT enthusiasts if you look around but actually like let's say 
two out of 10 people are pro NFT if you want it. And like there are still eight people really skeptical about it. And for, uh, for that reason, they don't participate at all in the NFT market. And with Gucci, this, this might change. So um, Gucci might lead to a huge increase of uh, market volume when it comes to NFTs by also um, kind of displaying dif different sentiments, bullish or bearish sentiments for NFT markets. And this comes really at the right time, because if we look at the um, overall market volume of Cardano NFTs, it's uh, currently after Ethereum and Solana, the third position when it comes to um, NFT volume. So I think this project will lead to a way more increased um, market volume of C NFTs. And actually, the timing is also perfect. So let's see. Uh, what will um, follow. And if you are interested in a deep dive in this project, stay tuned for our next week. Just a little spoiler. <laughs> yeah, exactly. This is a really cool product uh, brought by Alexander Watanabe um, or Alexander Monad, as you call him. Um, it basically brings a lot of efficiency to the market. As of now, um, there is this so-called floor, but um, what... Uh, what Gucci helps uh, with NFTs is that it really helps you to find that price discovery and really helps to uh, differentiate like NFT projects with really good fundamentals from NFT projects that may not have those fundamentals. We are still in a very early stage of NFT. So fundamentals, what is the fundamentals? Nobody really knows, but you can uh, somehow know that by looking at the community activity, who is willing to put their money on that, how many hotlers. And so there is a lot to talk about Gucci. So we are releasing our episode next week. So you can look forward to that. Okay. Gucci, is a, <laughs> Gucci is a Cardano native uh, solution, meaning Gucci is leveraging the multi-asset ledger of Cardano to bring this solution. So basically, uh, you are not, um, so basically you are not um, shorting or longing any NFT product, uh, project, but the policy ID in a sense that so Cardano, yeah, exactly. Cardano allows uh, for this multi-asset. Uh, Cardano has this multi-asset ledger and that enables uh, solutions like this to be implemented on the Cardano chain, which may not be possible in uh, chains like Solana or Ethereum, it, which it is not possible on uh, chains like Solana or Ethereum. You should know exactly what you're doing. You <laughs> don't play with your high value space but uh, nfts uh, may you may actually lose it so uh, really understand how it works there are a lot of videos available uh, especially on the youtube channel of gucci explaining how it actually works like more uh, alexander himself explains how it works um, he he has made like seven to eight videos so go through those videos we'll drop the link to those videos and understand how it works and then use it so, like I already started, there's not only Gucci, but also another project launched recently. Uh, recently meaning yesterday, actually. So, this yeah. is a weekly update. So, <laughs> we are lucky to have this launch also in here. It's an innovative SPO bond project. So, what exactly is it about, Suraj? The project is not, uh, called Optim Finance. So, Optim Finance is a project which introduces, like, their first product is SPO bonds. So what is SPO bonds? Like, starting uh, a stake pool in Cardano um, is not an easy, it's not that easy if you are just 
like a single pool operator starting your uh, pool from scratch and if you don't have that much of visibility in the community like in youtube or twitter or somehow your stake pool may not get even noticed and you may not get that much of delegation so at the uh, at some uh, at one point cardano had an mav like a minimum attack vector or nakamoto coefficient of 29 so over the course of time it decreased to 24 and last month last couple of months we saw a lot of pools retiring because they were unable to make those returns to sustain running a stake pool the most of the people who retired their pools were single pool operators and actually the decentralization of cardano it is essential for the decentralization of cardano that we uh, that single pool operators sustain their operation so that we have a really diverse uh, group of people running this protocol. So what SPO Bond is doing, it helps a stake pool operator to borrow stake from people to bootstrap their stake pool in the initial stage. So when you uh, so when a stake pool operator borrows that uh, that uh, bond from a person who is providing that bond, the person who is lending that uh, SPO bond will get the staking rewards plus an additional yield like 1 to 1.5 percentage that is paid by the SPO. So SPO has to uh, pay from his pocket the small yield in the initial bootstrapping phase. It, it should be seen as a, um, an expense that you should invest to bootstrap your pool. So the, it is available for 6, 8, 12 months. And in that period, you can borrow this amount, bootstrap your pool, uh, to a level where your pool is producing blocks on every epoch. So one to two million ADA, you can borrow, stake it in your uh, stake it in your uh, stake pool, and then provide a small yield to the lender, and lender also get the yield plus the staking rewards. So it's a it's a win-win situation uh, for both people. If you see stake pool as a business and you want to start, and you know you want to invest some money in it and bootstrap your pool is the right way to go. But this is just a start. So uh, in the next couple of months, we'll see how this will uh, go, actually. But this is also a Cardano native solution uh, because the staking in Cardano uh, allows this kind of innovative products that can actually help to decentralize Cardano uh, ecosystem, Cardano stake pool ecosystem. This is uh, this is actually helps in decentralizing the networking layer of Cardano. It's a really cool product. Yeah, and talking about decentralization, <laughs> um, I think we can directly jump into the next topic because this is overall has been very much discussed recently. And um, yeah, decentralization is a really currently really complex uh, topic and not so easy to assess for certain protocols. And uh, within Cardano, their initiatives developing a decentralization index together with the University of Edinburgh. They are working on the EDI, the Edinburgh Decentralization Index. And at the Scots Fest this year, they um, presented the current methodology and the framework of the assessment. Um, but currently, this is under construction, so to say. So um, we can look at other metrics still to get a grasp of the a degree of decentralization of different um, blockchains. 
And uh, Suraj wrote a really nice thread about that, comparing the degree of decentralization of um, Ethereum and Cardano. And um, maybe let's talk a little bit about the thread and about the metrics we used here, since we have not uh, some other kind of unique uh, be benchmarking uh, index available overall. So um, here we have first uh, the overview of the metrics we were looking at. It's the staking ratio, the initial coin distribution, the Nakamoto coefficient, like Suraj already said, the minimum attack vector, the total number of validator nodes, and uh, individual wallets participating in staking. And uh, we want to go now through each of them and see how they are doing in comparison between Ethereum and Cardano. So first of all, I have to say that um, people say it is uh, childish to compare protocols. And uh, I, I got comments like that after making this thread. But let me say uh, it is important to compare uh, uh, these metric-based um, data points between protocols. The world works like that. Let me say uh, when you make... Uh, so. We have like stocks uh, and bonds and uh, derivatives. They all have ratings. So rating agencies make triple A, triple uh, B, or you know, depending upon the quality. And decentralization is also quality of public blockchains. And there should be uh, real data points that assesses and compares different protocols. Otherwise, you don't know the value of uh, your protocol. Otherwise, you know. Four people running a protocol can come like, oh, this is a shiny new chain like Luna. You know, they had 100 validators because basically 100 validators were run by the similar same entities. You know, so it is important to compare and contrast and talk about these metrics. That being said, now let's go into the comparison of Ethereum and Cardano. Yeah. Yeah, maybe we can add that this is not the holy grail of assessment. It's just an attempt to try to have some understanding how different protocols handle, um, like approach different um, opportunities and how they, how the kind of ethos and um, yeah setup of the blockchain is. So let's dig into it. When we look at the initial token distribution. Um, of Cardano and Ethereum, first, what we recognize, it looks pretty similar. So there is not a big difference, right? So from the beginning on, they had really um, a really good initial token distribution with 80% going to public sales, 15% uh, or 17, like really, uh, really almost same numbers, staying inside and two um, going to the foundation or 5%. So basically... Um, very fair initial token distribution for both projects, I would say. So basically, yeah, uh, as you said, uh, the both chains started with the same ethos. Uh, yeah. So Charles Hoskinson was also in the Ethereum uh, founding team along with Vitalik Buterin. Uh, they really believed in the ethos of decentralization and wide distribution. So that you can, and when Charles Hoskinson uh, initiated the his his uh, his um, uh, like his work with IOG in in developing Cardano, uh, they believed in the same ethos, and that's why you see this similarity of initial distribution with Cardano and Ethereum. So mm -hmm. both of the chains started with the same ethos, but then uh, yeah, they then... took two different approaches, right? Yes, yeah. already in the next metric, we can see the difference. 
I mean, we talked already a lot about staking today and um, probably everyone who's watching the channel listening in knows um, that there is a difference in the staking ratio. So regarding the degree of participation of total tokens in circulation, um, we see that Cardano has a staking ratio of 71%, whereas Ethereum only has a staking ratio of 13%, meaning 87% of the tokens uh, in circulation are not staked. Yeah, exactly. Um, you, uh, so as you pointed out, there's a stark contrast between 13% and 71% um, because uh, it just shows like two contrasting, you know, it is one extremes actually. Here, more than a majority, almost like two thirds of, more than two thirds of uh, the tokens in circulation participate in the staking, but in Ethereum, like only one eighth or that kind of number is participating. So that itself shows a like big contrast actually. Yeah. And not only that, also the next metric um, makes the difference uh, really obvious. When we look at the individual wallets participating in the staking, so first we have also a question, how can we compare, um, how can we co even compare the two chains in this metric? Because uh, what makes comparison and benchmarking really hard um, are the different um, names, different wordings, and kind of different ways of um, measurements. So this here was the same. So we were looking into the number of unique depositors in Ethereum and compared them to the individual wallets participating in staking on Cardano. And we thought those two um, um, metrics are um, basically having the same context and expressing the same Thing. So we call it here number of unique wallets participating in staking. And if you look at the numbers, we see that um, uh, in Cardano, 14 times more um, individual wallets participate in the staking. So, we, uh, so when we go from staking ratio to individual wallets participating in staking, it is so important to look at these two metrics. But these two metrics show the participation. If you look just one metric in isolation, like staking ratio, so if the stake is very centralized, you can have, uh, if the, let's say the stake is just distributed between 10 entities, those 10 entities can actually stake majority of those tokens, reaching up a staking ratio of 80%. Uh, that doesn't mean that, so it, a staking ratio of 80% does not mean that it's decentralized. Then you have to look at what is the number of uh, unique wallets that is participating in the staking. So here we see Cardano almost like 1.2 million wallets and Ethereum 88,000 wallets. So that is a stark contrast because, uh, and when you uh, look at those wallets, in the, you, you know that in Cardano you can have multiple wallets, uh, wallets with a very small number of ADA. It's also possible to stake. It just shows the openness of the system. But if you just take the uh, the unique number of wallets, in the sense that, oh, there's a lot of small wallets with small number of ADA. Uh, uh, you can have like, so, so many wallets in comparison to Ethereum. These are high-value high wallets. That's why you compare, that you, uh, you combine these two metrics, staking ratio with unique number of wallets. It shows a lot of wallet participating and a lot of coins staked. That means there is real participation. If you see less coins uh, staked, 
and also less participation it just shows the system has less participation it's a very centralized way right so <laughs> exactly never look at a metric in isolation look combining it with other metrics with the framework then you get a real idea so these two metrics we show the participation and the core issue is that oh why the participation is so low because the staking in ethereum is not so uh, encouraging for participation compared to cardano cardano has right. no slashing cardano has no locking period ethereum has slashing ethereum has indefinite locking period in a sense that you don't know when you can unstake your eth and uh, and it's basically a de-incentivizing process right <laughs> it is basically de-incentivizing <laughs> participation that's exactly mm -hmm. what is reflected in these two metrics yes. okay yeah now <laughs> let's move on to the other metrics laura yeah so um the next one would be the total number of validators um so first of all, what I already mentioned before, we have to look at the wording. We have to look how they um, collect the data and the numbers for the specific metrics. And um, for this uh, metric total number of validators, we had some issues finding um, two matching uh, metrics from the, from the measurement logic uh, to compare. So that was the first roadblock we were facing, kind of. You wanna you wanna talk about that a little bit? <laughs> of course, I, want, I really want to talk about it because I can imagine that's why. <laughs> <laughs> because when you look at those metrics, uh, so one of the most uh, popular sites where you go to get information about staking, uh, like over like different protocols, different chains, stakingrewards.com is one of the sites where you go and collect these metrics. One thing that is uh, really interesting is that stakingrewards.com, if you go into that page and go into the particular page that shows the metrics of Ethereum and go into the metrics, then you see, oh, there are like 44,000, uh, no, not, not 44,000, 444,000. Let's, let's say almost half a million validators. <laughs> they, they are, yeah, they show it like, oh, we have half a million validators. Oh, Ethereum has half a million validators. So this number is actually many multiples of the total number of validators of all other chains combined. Even if you take Bitcoin nodes also into these Bitcoin uh, like block uh, producing nodes into this, it is many, many multiples of all these other validators of all other blockchains combined. So how is it possible? You can't say that, oh, Ethereum has half a million validators running. So what's taking reward is doing if they are not come, so if you go to Cardano's page, it will show, oh, Cardano has 3,200 validators. So in staking reward, they are campaigning, they are comparing uh, validator nodes of Cardano to uh, some entity called validator of Ethereum. So we just say validators of Ethereum are not validators. They are attesters. So if you really look at that, there are around 9,000 nodes in uh, the Ethereum network, and each node can host a lot of these entities called validators. Uh, like a node, can, there are there may be nodes up to 1,000 or more uh, these validators, but these are attesters. So basically, every node can host these attesters. When they make blocks, these attesters basically agree on the ordering of transactions and that exactly is the purpose of these attesters and these attesters do not play uh, like a validating role 
in the consensus. So you must not call them validators. These are attesters. So Ethereum does not have uh, half a million validators. Mm. It has around 9,000 validator nodes. So, so we have to come really, this shows all, this really shows the importance of the wording and of the uh, measurement behind the wording. So you can call it validators, but actually it's doing something different. It's not the same. You no. can call things alike, actually, but they do different. Or you can call the metrics the same, but the measurement framework or the idea is differently. So that's why and I think this is really um, displaying and making obvious uh, how hard it is um, to compare protocols and how deep you have to dig into certain pro uh, protocols and logics to understand really what is uh, what are they doing and how they um, how they are measuring and communicating those metrics um, because otherwise you might uh, misinterpret the, because otherwise informations might be misleading exactly and then you have to compare uh, the number of validator nodes to the validator nodes of cardano so cardano has around 2200 validator nodes and ethereum has around 9000 validator nodes so if you look at that, Ethereum has around 3x more validators than Cardano. But then comes some, uh, another important uh, point. Oh, that is not enough to actually make the comparison of the decentralization of the networking layer of these two networks. You have to look at Nakamoto coefficient or MAV. Basically, it measures the minimum number of entities that needs to collide together, uh, that needs to collude together to control more than 51 percentage or up to 51% of the total stake in the system. And when you look at that metric, you can see that in Cardano, uh, almost 24 ent uh, entities has to collude to control more than 51% of the stake. But if you look at Ethereum, three entities, basically Lido, Coinbase, and Kraken can control actually 51% of the stake. People say Lido is... Uh, is not one entity. Lido is a permissioned entity and it's a single smart contract controlling more than 30% 30, 30 of the stake along with centralized entities like Coinbase and Kraken. It just shows so uh, the centralization of the stake in Ethereum. And if you remember, if Laura, you know, you may not know this, uh, like I'm active in Ethereum, uh, I'm active in Cardano community from the ITN period. So Cardano had this intensivized testnet uh, for around six months. So they were mm -hmm. running this testnet where you were incentivized. So, so you may not know this. There was, there was this incentivized testnet in Cardano uh, back then in um, 2020, I guess. Uh, so there was this six-month period of, of uh, testnet where you were incentivized to participate in staking. Uh, you, can, uh, uh, you can start your nodes. You can be a delegator or you can be an SPO and you participate. And then it was a time period where IOG could uh, really see how things were working, where uh, what needs to be adjusted. And a lot of things were learned by running that testnet and people were incentivized to participate. So it just shows how things work. Ethereum just launches their staking and Cardano goes through a really, uh, really hardcore testing with real participation and knows uh, what are the outcomes, what we should change, and then releases the staking. Because staking, the consensus layer, 
uh, actually determines the decentralization of the system. And uh, Cardano really took a methodical approach to do that, whereas Ethereum is just move fast and break things. And they really managed to break the staking of uh, Ethereum. So kudos to Ethereum team for that. Anyway, How is it called? Uh, like move fast and break things or move slow and do things right? So like maybe... Move fast, <laughs> move, fast and, move fast and break things or like Ethereum or move slow and be right like Cardano because this is a critical industry. You have to be really careful on what you're doing. And you can see... So when you go through all these five metrics and look at it, you can just see... Even if they start from the same ethos, at the end of the day, you have two different outcomes. Yeah. Uh, a, a very decentralized Cardano to uh, centralizing, tendencies, uh, centralizing uh, tendencies in Ethereum. Yeah, uh, the reactions were interesting. So I got two major uh, like reactions from uh, two Ethereum intellectuals. Uh, basically, one saying that uh, or he or she uh, does not care about Cardano. The second uh, person, Togrul Maharov, uh, he's a senior researcher of CKEVM. Oh, he started the argument with uh, uh, saying that it's a drivel written by a moron. So Cardano community knows about name calling. So Ryan, uh, no, David Hoffman from Bankless called Cardano a scam and later he apologized for that. But People start with name calling. When you put out metrics there and people call names uh, as a reaction. So that just shows that they really don't want to respond to the points that you talked. So I'm not a really technical person. I'm just um, a medical doctor who is interested in Cardano, uh, looking at the metrics and comparing it with Ethereum. So, and a senior researcher from uh, CKEVM uh, calls me a moron just because I talk about like real numbers. And then he goes down to these points where he compares, oh, uh, the total number of wallets participating in staking is not relevant. Staking ratio is not relevant. And then we, both of these metrics has to be combined and looked at to see what is the participation. And if you look at that, right. yeah, right. Uh, so because of if the you, correlation, yeah, it's, it's, it's obvious, right? <laughs> the correlation between those. Yeah, the correlation is so obvious. And he avoided the other points that were made, like uh, validator uh, of Ethereum are not validators. You know, these are fake numbers. And he also never reacted to the MAV of Ethereum. So you just call someone uh, moron and uh, never really reacted to the uh, points that were made. Uh, that was a really interesting reaction. But um, uh, what I want to say to the Cardano community, you know, never be maxis. Just look at the, you know, we are here in Cardano because we think they are doing things right uh, and taking a really methodical approach. Uh, but uh, at some point, if you feel like, uh, you know, uh, this is not right based on like real facts, you know, never be maxis, look at the metrics, look at the innovations around you and look at uh, the decentralization of Cardano, which is one of the most important thing. Otherwise, uh, all these things are worthless, basically. Yeah, thank you for those closing words, Suraj. I think this is a good... Um... A good, um, yeah, good last words for our um, podcast today. And uh, yes, we are curious to see how this decentralization topic will evolve over the next months and years and how also new projects approach this really critical quality of a public blockchain, which is um, always uh, interacting 
with other qualities as security and scalability of the protocol. Yeah. So yeah, thank you for listening in. Leave us your comments and um, feedback, of course. And we are looking forward to next week. See you. <laughs> See you. Bye.